0: Welcome to Life-Changing Money, a podcast all about one of the most taboo topics in the world, money. I'm your host, Barbara Shrehan, and we're going behind the scenes on business owners' journeys to money, success, and wealth. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Life-Changing Money I'm so excited because this week we have the money coach Delianne with us. Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So tell our listeners, I mean, I've been following you on Instagram at Delianne, the money coach for so long, but tell our listeners what you do today. I'm sure it's evolved, but what do you do today? Sure. Um, yeah,
1: today I work full time on my business, Delian, the money coach. I quit my job in 2021 as an attorney and uh, to run my business full time. So I help uh, um, investors learn how to slay the stock market. So basically, you know, intro level, beginner level investing um, knowledge, especially um, focused around women who basically have been left out of the financial conversation for a very long time. And so I provide a safe space where people can come and just ask and just ask any questions that they have, um, voice any doubts or anything that they're dealing with money-wise so that we can exchange information and and build wealth.
0: I love that. We're big over here on women and money. And so we'll dig into that in a little bit. But I feel like I've never heard of an attorney quitting their job to then be a money coach. So how did that happen? I'm sure I'm not the only one because attorneys are notorious for quitting their jobs
1: and doing something radically different when we realize, <laughs> "Oh, I made a big mistake. I actually hate being an attorney and I'm a very creative person or I'm a very, you know, like I just want to do something completely different." And so, yeah. I always felt a creative pull um and I didn't feel like I was getting that fulfillment at my job. It just, you know, being an attorney is very rigid. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to help people. That's why I became an employment attorney. But I just wasn't getting that type of satisfaction for my job. And that's after doing it for 14 years. So I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to be stuck doing this till I'm 65. Uh, But thankfully, I became really, really interested in personal finance around 2019, 2018. And um, just started sharing my own like debt-free journey on Instagram. And I was surprised to hear that people were interested. And I'm like, wow, you guys are really into this. Um, And it just started to grow from there. And I realized that there was like a need uh, for for this type of information that people wanted to hear about other people's journey. And um, slowly but surely, I started building the business. And um, around August 2020, I launched Slay the Stock Market, which is my
0: signature investing course. And yeah, the business blew up from there. That's crazy. Was your, was your debt journey because of student loans? I know attorneys have to go through so much school. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: not, you know, compared to like doctors or something like that. It's, it is three years of law school, but it's, like very expensive. I mean, I I took out over 6 figures of student loans and I there's no way that I would be able to like cash flow something like that, especially with my background, you know, I come from poverty, I'm an immigrant, and so without student loans, there was no way that I'd be able to go to law school. I was basically, you know, I had this massive debt hanging over me for for over 10 years, and I'm like, god, am I really going to like keep paying these for like, you know, the next 10, 15 years, like when am I going to be rid of this? I decided that I wanted to become financially independent and a, and a, a step towards that was becoming debt-free. Um, And mm-hmm. so paying off the loans became my my catalyst into personal finance. And from there, I discovered investing and all of that. And then everything just grew from there.
0: A lot of people listening probably have crippling student loan debt so what was like your step one especially when you were on you know a fixed salary not making an insane amount of money so probably not a lot of disposable income how did you do that well i mean i want to be totally transparent because yes when i started you know
1: when i first became an attorney i was making 85k which for a lot of people, that's a lot of money, but I was living in New York city. And if you know anything about New York city, 85 K doesn't go very far, but I did my best, you know, to make it stretch. And over the years, I, my income increased, I got, you know, promotions, I got bonuses, I changed jobs. And that's where the big leap happened. After seven years, I changed jobs and I started making like close to 200K a year. So what was I doing with that money? Okay. I wasn't paying off my loans. I was basically hoarding it thinking like, oh, real estate, this is how you build wealth, right? We, we buy real estate. So I was just hoarding money to yeah. buy real estate. But New York City real estate is insane. It was insane back then. It's even crazier now. Um, and I started to realize I'm like, this is not going to work out. Like, This is not the path. And so mm-hmm. investing became the path and that's where my focus went but with paying off debt i mean at the end of the day it's you either have a spending problem or an income problem so either you're not making enough money or you're spending too much and at the end of the day only you know you have to be honest with yourself like you have to know your numbers and you have to say to yourself okay what is this is it really a spending problem or Um, an income problem. And I think for most people, it probably is an income problem, you know, and that's because wages have stagnated like so much in the last 10, Mm -hmm. 15, 20 years. So really what I tell people is to focus on increasing their income, like ASAP, because until you get up away from debt and until you, you know, you make space in your budget to do things like pay off debt and invest, you're not going to be able to build wealth. And it starts With your income like it's very unfair for me to go to somebody who's making 40 50k a year and be like hey just you know live on rice and beans that some people in our personal finance community likes to say just live on rice and beans and ramen and um and then start paying off your debt it's so easy that's not realistic for most people in america
0: right and so how did you become educated about the stock market I mean, it was just pure curiosity. Um, And it's funny because here
1: I am living in New York, right? Working as an attorney, literally the mecca of like the financial industry, like a few subway stops from the stock market and knew nothing beyond like, oh, I put money in a 401k and that's it. I don't know where it goes. I don't know what it's doing, but it's there. And I see it inching up and growing over time. And I'm like, oh, there's something happening in this account. It's actually growing. And then, like I said, when I started looking into ways to, like, pay off my debt faster, I, you know, I stumbled into the financial independence community because one feeds into the other. You start the debt-free journey. And before you know it, you're bumping into people who are talking about retiring early. And you're like, what the hell is this? Like, I've never heard of people retiring early. That's weird. Um, And so that, like, sparked that uh, fire in me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to learn everything about this because I had no idea there was this this route this option of like investing your way to early retirement and so I saw that as my way out of um, my legal career right because I'm like oh my mm-hmm. god this is this is it this is my chance and so I just honed in on that but I did not expect like a whole business to flourish from that which actually expedited things even more and and I became financially right. independent even faster than I than I expected um but that's where it all started was the the drive to pay off the loans.
0: So for people listening, what would be your top like investing tips? I think people really, really overcomplicate
1: investing. And I, and that's totally fair because I think the financial industry wants you to feel very overwhelmed and and like, oh, we're the experts and you should just like outsource it to us. And you don't you don't need to like worry your, your pretty little head with this. Just pay us a fee and we'll take care of it for you. And nobody explains anything to you. So, the, you know, they created a whole language around this to kind of... Right. They keep this information so i i understand why people get overwhelmed but just getting used to the vocabulary is what's going to make you feel more confident and i that's what i tell people it's like 80 percent vocabulary and 20 percent math so as soon as you start learning the vocab what is you know what's a dividend what's a roth ira what's a 401k what's an index fund once you start breaking down those terms it will, it will really like start to fall into place because it does sound like a foreign language when you start learning about it. So there is so much information out there on learning to invest. Pick your favorite medium. If you like podcasts, if you like YouTube videos, if you like books, it's out there. Like there's just so much information. And I just started like devouring all of it. I really leaned a lot on podcasts and books.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Like when you start hearing all these buzzwords that, You're afraid to ask like, wait, what does that mean? You're just supposed to like know these things. It can be so overwhelming. Yeah. And it's not like a friendly environment because like sometimes when you post a question online, you get
1: like inundated. I see it in my comment section all the time. People will ask a question and they get inundated by people like, oh, you're so dumb. Like, how do you not know this? This is common knowledge. And I'm like, excuse me, just because you know something doesn't mean it's common knowledge for everybody. It means that you somehow, you know, got lucky. Or you came from a background of privilege where somebody was talking about money around you. And we don't we don't all get the same exposure. We don't all start at the same starting line. So I think what one of my biggest criticisms about this industry is there is not enough empathy in personal finance. Like just, you know, people think like the tough love approach is what works. And I'm really I really don't like that. You know, I really think that that borders on like abusive and manipulative. So I'm all about yeah. like being pathetic and giving people like the space to ask any question. There's no such thing as a dumb question, and I just want people to be curious.
0: We hear that a lot with prospective clients coming to us when they're coming to us for taxes and they're like my accountant right now makes me feel mm-hmm. stupid when I ask them a question mm-hmm. or you know, they talk In a way where they don't understand all of these big words and they're just like nodding their head because they feel ashamed or guilty that they're successful in their business, but they don't know these tax terms. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. Like you should be with someone that makes you feel good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't expect anybody to sit there. You know, I don't expect my CPA to teach me the tax code, nor do I want to. Um, That's their job. But I do want to have like some kind of fundamental knowledge so that I understand what it is that you're doing and if you are good at your profession you should be able to explain it to me in a way that I have a that I feel good about it you know like you don't have to again t- tell me exactly how you're filling out every single form but you should be able to summarize what you're doing and so Unfortunately, a lot of these people who are in these industries, they're not good communicators. You know, they may be good at their job, but they're not good communicators. They're not good teachers. And so that that part is lacking there in the relationship. And that's why people seek out money coaches, because they find more understanding there, more patience. And and so for me, there's a place for everybody. There's a place for planners. There's a place for tax preparers. And there's a place for for money coaches to serve a purpose.
0: Yeah, exactly. Is there a common theme in your community for specific like money mindset hurdles that people are trying to get over?
1: Yeah, I I talk to a lot, like I said, a lot of women, um, especially also a lot of women of color, a lot of women who come from immigrant families. So I do get a lot of um, people dealing with like money trauma, you know, um, maybe their parents lost everything. Maybe there was a divorce and overnight their lives changed, or maybe there was financial infidelity in a relationship and they were left with nothing. Maybe they come from a family where they're, you know, terrified of anything that has any kind of risk. So they hoard money, they save, but they don't spend. And so spending money gives them a lot of anxiety. Um, or it's the opposite. My mom never spent any money or my dad never spent any money. So now that I have some, I spend it all, right? Because they they finally get to fulfill all those needs and wants that their parents would say no to. There's a lot of like unresolved money trauma that people are having to face, which I don't think they're expecting. When I'm sitting here talking about like a Roth IRA, they're like, oh, I didn't know we were also going to talk about all of my my trauma from my childhood and I'm like, yeah, we have to talk about all of it because it's holistic yeah um and so it's it takes time and obviously I'm not a therapist and I really encourage people to go to therapy and deal with those things but just like you know like flagging that these are issues and that they're not alone and this is common is enough to to help a lot of
0: people we do have a lot of clients when you mention like they just want to hoard all their cash because mm-hmm. they can they come from a family that just didn't spend. How would you help them through that mindset of you don't need to hoard all of your money, especially in cash, like under a mattress or something?
1: Yeah, that comes from like a lot of, you know, fear mongering from the parents, because obviously maybe they had a bad experience with a financial institution. Maybe they were a victim of a scam. So it's important to like pinpoint, first of all, like where that's coming from and to reestablish trust. In the institution. And so I obviously share my personal story that I have like all of my wealth invested in the stock market, and I'm very transparent about that. Um, and I'm like, hey, I'm like somebody who's very risk averse. Like, I wouldn't be throwing my money into the stock market if I thought I was gambling and that I was going to lose it all overnight. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to go back to where I was, uh, where I had nothing. So I share my personal story, but I also think it's just, you know, talking through it spreading knowledge telling them that we're not here gambling we're not stock picking you know there's a there's a a a true and steady way to do this slowly but surely we can invest but i think also going back i always tell people you know it's so important to have like that safety fund or we we call an emergency fund a lot of people haven't set that money aside and like earmarked it for emergencies and so knowing that that money is there in case something happens is usually the first step. I tell people, you know, that has to be the first step. We got to have that thats that emergency fund so that you know you're secure. And then we can move on to things like investing and and pursuing that. But that's always the
0: first step. Are you of the mindset that all debt should be paid off before investing as well?
1: Absolutely not. If I had done that, I would have lost like twelve years that I would never get back because that's how long it took me to pay off my loans, and that's usually how long it takes most people. Like it's it can be anywhere from fifteen to twenty years, right? So imagine telling somebody yeah. they can't invest for fifteen to twenty years because they have twenty thousand dollars in student loans. Where, but then what some personal finance uh, gurus lo- like to say is, well, yeah, you should yeah. be debt free except for a mortgage, and I'm like. How is that any different? So if I have like a million dollar mortgage, I can invest. But if I have $20,000 in student loans, I can't. Like the math isn't mathing, you know? I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So for me, it's like, we want to tackle both, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Usually the thing that's a little more urgent is credit cards, especially if you're still using them. So if you're still piling on credit card debt on top of credit card debt and you're kind of drowning, we do kind of have to put a plug on that, get you to stop, you know, adding debt to it. And start aggressively paying that down. But I even encourage people to throw some money into an investment account, even if they're paying down credit cards, just to build the habit. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if it's just, you know, 50 bucks here and there, 100 bucks, just to start the habit, start learning about it. And then once you paid off those credit cards, you can really ratchet up.
0: Yeah. Time in the market is so important. And we show our clients all the time these like models of if you wait even just a year. Yeah. It can be like. $100,000 difference at retirement age, you know?
1: Yeah. Because especially the younger you are, like people think 50 bucks doesn't make a difference or a hundred bucks doesn't make a difference. But I'm like, the younger you are, like that money actually is going to be more valuable than the money you put in, in your forties and fifties, because it's had more time to like multiply and grow and compound. So explaining that idea of like compound interest is you know, usually the concept that when, once it clicks into place, you see like that light bulb moment and people are like, oh, OK, now I get it. Now they
0: un- they understand why they have to prioritize it. You mentioned all your investments are in the stock market. So I'd love to know if you're going to buy any of the Bitcoin ETF. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> that's like the
1: hot thing that everybody's talking about. Um, yeah. I am not a fan of crypto. I do think that it's like a very speculative investment. It's super risky. Unfortunately, I've seen so many people over the years lose so much money on it. Obviously, there are the the few who make a lot of money, but for the most part, a a lot of people have lost money. And there were several articles um, published on this where... It was mostly people of color, you know, who like kind of thought that Mm. this was their, this was their opportunity. This was going to be, you know, the way that other people have built wealth through the housing market. Um, This was their uh, housing market, you know, uh, alternative. And that this was their opportunity. That was the idea that they were sold. And then when everything came crashing down, um, we see so many of these crypto exchanges getting shut down, right, for not managing funds properly being investigated by the sec people losing their money to fraud um it's been really really heartbreaking to hear these stories so it is still very very risky it's still very new the bitcoin etf is just the government's way of getting in on the action honestly like they (laughs) want people's curiosity you know to turn away from bitcoin and turn into this etf but it's just as problematic as everything else. And if you read the underlying, which a lot of people don't, but if you read the underlying statements of what's inside these ETFs, um, you'll see that a lot of them don't even have Bitcoin in it. It's like something else. And they can change those investments anytime they want at at their own discretion. So it's mm-hmm. it's not what people, I think people think they're buying Bitcoin when they're buying a Bitcoin ETF, and most of the time they're not.
0: Interesting. I hadn't read that.
1: Yeah, it's it's very new. So people are like yeah, jumping on, right, into the hype, which unfortunately is like what happens with these things, that's what happened with GameStop and all of that. Everybody's jumping on at the you know, at the end, which people think this is the beginning, but it's actually the end because the people who make money on these things have already invested in the background before it even went live, right? right? Like that's where the real yeah. money gets made. And so by the time it comes to the market and us little people get to access it, Um, it's already the the price has already skyrocketed. So who knows where it's going to go
0: from here? Yeah. Well, now that you have a super successful money coaching business, what is like your next big goal or investment you want to achieve? I have like pulled back on
1: massive, you know, business related goals because that's all I did for like four solid years. I just focused on my business and I just, worked nonstop. And so 2023 was like a big year of like slowing down. It's when I moved to Portugal and I'm like, okay, this is time for me to enjoy some of the fruits of my labor and like really just slow down. And so I've, I've done that, you know, because I don't want to get burned out to the point where I hate my business and I just have to shut it down overnight because I'm struggling mentally to, to deal with it. So it was really, really important that 2023, I slowed down 2024 is about uh, searching for a new home. I may or may not buy a home in Portugal. We'll see. I'm going to start shopping now. Um, I have no problem with renting. You know, I I don't think there's any problems with with renting, especially if you're investing elsewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, my goal is also to get my mom to move her from Brazil to Portugal. I just retired her uh, this year. So uh, my goal is to move her to Portugal and like reunite my family. We've been living apart for 20 years. So um Aww. that's what my 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 goals are my goals have really shifted away from like oh this is how many people you know I want to like enroll in my in my in my course and this is like all the um I want to have this many followers on this platform I've just kind of shifted away from that and I've slowed things down and I'm really really enjoying like this era of of my business.
0: What a huge feat that you retired your mom like that is so cool. I feel like like on social media you'll see people like, "Oh, I got a new Lambo." Or like, you know, <laughs> stupid shit. And you're like, "No, I'm out here retiring my family members." Yeah,
1: like to me, that's what fills me up, right? That's what fills my cup. And it's like been a lifelong dream to give my mom that that kind of life. And I and my mom's very young, you know. She's 61. I want her to enjoy her 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 youth while she has it uh, with me, with, with my sister. I want us to travel. I want us to have fun. I want it to build memories because the older you get, the harder it is to really travel and do the things that you, that you want to do. And And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm prioritizing that. So yeah, you know, I bought a car, big deal. I'm like, yes, I bought a car this past year. It was, it's a new car. It's, it's it was, it's very nice, but none of that yeah. even comes close to achieving that, like being able to retire my mom.
0: Yeah. Um, I'd love to know why you moved to Portugal. We just got back from like a month in Europe and we're like, I think we want to move to Europe. <laughs> so I'd love <laughs> <Okay>. to know. <laughs> I love it. Did you have a chance to stop in Portugal? No, Portugal is on our next in 2025. We're gonna do Spain and okay. Portugal, but we were in France this whole time. My husband's fluent in French, so it made it a lot easier to get around. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're like, dang, Europe is so nice. And I feel like the U S is poisoning us, but that's a whole nother. Yeah. We can do a <laughs> whole other podcast
1: on that. Cause I'm down to talk about that as well. Um, and you don't really realize it until you move abroad, how much propaganda you're being fed. I, you know, visited Portugal a couple of times, but also, so yes, I, I loved it when I visited, but I'm Brazilian. So there's a connection here, um, you know, with the culture, obviously. So I speak Portuguese And I have been an immigrant my entire life. I was born in Brazil. I grew up in the States and I'm like, God, I really want to like be surrounded by my culture. I want to like be somewhere where I don't feel like an outsider all the time. And I'm still kind of an outsider here. Right. Obviously, I'm like an American moving here, Um, but I speak Portuguese like all day long, everywhere I go. If I don't say I'm American, nobody knows. Um, Aww. so it's just nice to be able to like immediately fit into a community and Portugal, the best way I can describe it, it's the San Diego of Europe. It's like the weather is just like San Diego. I really want it to be nice weather. I can't do the cold anymore. I lived in, I lived 15 years in New York city. I'm like, I'm, I'm done.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm retired from snow. So I <laughs> want to be somewhere that was nice. I want it to be somewhere that was safe. Portugal is one of the safest countries in the world. Um, wow. and I just. Yeah. Like the crime is very, very low here. Um, And it's, you know, very petty crime. There's not like a ton of, you know, violent crimes. And I can walk around, you know, two in the morning with my dog. Nobody bothers me. No issues. I feel very, very safe. Are the
0: taxes better?
1: So I don't earn income in Portugal. Like my business is still based in the U.S. So I'm taxed as an American in every way. Um, There is a tax structure here for expats where it's called the NHR regime, where you don't get taxed on your business income for like 10 years. Um, So that's very, yeah, so that's very favorable. And they do that on purpose to like attract, you know, immigration attract. And that's what's caused this revival in Portugal recently is because of their um, favorable tax laws. They also had, um, you know, easy visas. Like my visa process was very smooth. I got a passive income visa. So if you just show that you have some kind of passive income, you're in. You There's also a digital nomad visa. Oh. So it's there's a lot of paths, you know, to to get here. And so that process, the culture, the weather, the food, the proximity to the rest of Europe, because I'm like, I'm sick of taking 15 hour flights to like explore yeah. these places. All of that, I'm like... I didn't think I was going to be able to move here until I was like 100% retired because that was the plan. But I'm like, oh, now that I have this business, I can live anywhere I want. I can get to Portugal now. I don't have to wait till I'm retired. And so I took the leap.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to visit you.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And anybody who asks me like, why Portugal? I always know they haven't been to Portugal because anybody who has been, they never ask me that because they get it. They get it.
0: (laughs) So what's your favorite U.S. tax hack?
1: Ooh, The ones that I obviously know the most about that I use all the time is investing in like the retirement accounts, obviously, to lower your taxable income. So putting money in like a 401k, a Roth IRA. But my favorite paper that I don't think people most most people know is investing in a brokerage account. People don't understand that the money that you make in a brokerage account is subject to like a whole different tax bracket. Like so you have like the tax bracket that everybody knows about. But then there's like this whole different tax bracket that applies to investments in brokerage accounts, which is called the capital gains tax. And the tax brackets there are only three, 0%, 15 and 20. And most people can fall into that zero or 15% range, which is less than like your regular income tax bracket. Way less, yeah. Way less. This is something that I'm constantly like posting about and talking about because I'm like, you guys, you don't understand. There's like a whole 0% yeah. tax bracket here that you have to take <laughs> advantage of. So I love talking about that. To me, that was like like a, a mind blown moment when I, when I discovered that.
0: Yes, we love the capital gains brackets as well. So tell everyone where they can find you and a little bit about your course.
1: Yeah. So I'm, you know, constantly on Instagram. I am uh, perpetually there. So you can catch me at Delian, the money coach on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. I'm on X, whatever it's called now. So <laughs> my course is called slay the stock market. I host a free class uh, about once a month. And so you're free to attend that. And, um, where I go over all of this, you know, index fund, uh, pass investing. And I, I have a ton of free resources, um, linked in my bio on Instagram. So I always tell people start there. And, you know, if that doesn't answer your
0: question, then send me a DM. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Changing Money. Don't forget to subscribe. And I would love if you left a review and shared it with your friends. See you next time.